Welcome to Live Prayer. I am Bill Keller. Good to be with you on this Monday evening. I pray you had a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend, and a good start to your week. It's good to be back together once again. If you're new to the program, you're watching Live Prayer. We come to you live in living color every Monday through Friday, 11 to midnight Eastern Standard Time, wherever you may be watching me throughout this great land of ours. Sea to shining sea, border to border. Thank you for tuning in. Friends and other far off great lands, welcome to you as well. Once again, I'm Bill Keller, founder of LivePrayer.com, world's largest interactive Christian website, reach a little over two and a half million folks each and every day via the internet. Please check us out online, web address coming up on your screen, LivePrayer.com, LivePrayer.com. So pray you had a good uh, weekend, uh, got some rest, got to church. Had some eat some good food, hopefully. Had a good start to your week. It's good to be back with you. First of all, I want to say thank you to everyone who wished me a happy birthday over the weekend. I uh, did my best, and uh, my staff did to try to get back to everybody and uh, say thank you. Uh, it, uh, it's kind of a big task, but uh, if uh, you didn't get a personal thank you from me, let me give it to you now. I appreciate the thought more than you know. Four things I should do for each night in this program. First, pray for me and the program. Thank you for doing that. Second of all, share the daily devotion with people you know. Encourage them to sign up. It's free like everything at Live Prayer. All they have to do is go to my homepage. Upper right-hand corner, click on the sign-up link. A couple pieces of basic information. They'll be all set to go. Third, of course, tell people about the TV program. And let me just stop there for a second. I was in a conversation with a couple people watching the program over the weekend, and we were talking. They said, uh, "They said, you know, these days it's like there's almost a year's worth of of news and information every single day." And I said, "Listen, get used to it. It's going to be that way between now and the election. Uh, there's going to be more ups and downs, more twists and turns than you can believe." So. Uh, Encourage people to watch the program. Last of all, of course, if this ministry has been a blessing to you as we wind down these last days of February, please pray about supporting the ministry. I don't sell things. I'm not a marketeer, uh, not a tour guide. Don't put on concerts, conferences. We spend 24-7 ministering to people worldwide through one of the greatest technical uh, inventions ever, and that's the Internet. I can reach more people in a given day than most ministries reach in years. That's just fact. Uh, it's a great tool. We've uh, been doing it now for a quarter century online, 21 years in a couple weeks. Actually, March the 3rd is when we have our 21st TV anniversary. So that's coming up fairly quickly, two weeks or something. Uh, so we've been doing this a long time and we're focused on what we do. Uh, Obviously, it takes some 
finances to keep the keep everything up and running. But uh, the beautiful thing is I don't have huge buildings to pay for. I don't have a huge staff to pay for. I don't have five or six houses around the world to pay for. I don't have fleets of luxury cars or private jets to pay for. And you know what? When you don't have all those things to pay for, it's amazing how far money will go. And I think that's one reason why over 30 years of ministry, quarter century online, 21 years on TV, people supported our work because they know we don't waste money. We're not here trying to build a kingdom unto ourselves. We're just trying to build God's kingdom. And uh, we take the little bit we, we need each month. And literally, it's a fishes and loaves miracle based on the number of people we're able to reach with the amount of money we require each month. So pray about supporting us. It will be money planted in good soil. Up right-hand corner of my homepage is a donation link. Click on it. Gives you our address in St. Petersburg, Florida, as well as a link to our credit card portal if that's more convenient, where you can make either a one-time donation or a reoccurring, uh, which will come out monthly. So thank you for praying and thank you for supporting the work here. I'm all, I've only been here all these decades, decades now, decades, because of your love and prayers. By the way, I got you know, I'm just being real blunt with you. I really have no deep thoughts about turning 66 yesterday other than the fact I just don't know where all the years went. But I do know this. I'm more focused than I've ever been. I'm more um, determined than I've ever been. Uh, each day I realize it's a gift from God. I don't know how many more. I know one thing. At least I'm pretty sure I know this. I've lived a lot more days already than I'm going to live, okay? <laughs> I think that's a safe bet. But whatever time God's got left for me, I'm going to make the most of every day and do my best to uh, to lead as many people to faith in Jesus as possible while helping to educate and encourage and motivate God's people to be all God wants them to be. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful day. We've enjoyed the blessings throughout. Thank you, Lord, for uh, this time together. We never want to take even one of these hours together for granted. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. My friends who've joined me, I lift them up, their families. I pray for them. I pray for their needs tonight, that every need be met for your glory. Lord, we're so grateful for this hour tonight. I just pray that you use it, Lord, to speak to your people tonight. Help us to understand the things we need to know. Bless us, we ask and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Uh, two words that I think are going to uh, be the overriding two words in the program tonight. And th th this just hit me right before, just literally seconds before we went on the air. Projection and hypocrisy. Don't forget, projection is one of those words we've been focused on. It's when other people are accusing you of doing exactly what they're doing. And of course, we all know what hypocrisy is, right? basically yelling at somebody for doing the same thing you do, right? So they're, they're, they're very similar words. They're, they're, they're different uh, in a few, in, a, in subtle ways, but they're kind of uh, one of the same. So projection and hypocrisy. All right. First of all, happy President's Day. I know there was no government stuff open today, and a lot of people treat it as a, uh, as a holiday. Um, I'll just wait one quick note that 
it just caught my eye today. Apparently, outside of uh, Trump's Mar-a-Lago, there was a just a, a, a pop-up, I guess what they called a pop-up rally. Grassroots wasn't a Trump campaign organized event. And there might have been, I don't know, three, four hundred people uh, along the highway across from Mar-a-Lago uh, with all their Trump uh, gear on and their flags and uh, singing their songs and just, uh, I don't know, lasted probably, what, four hours, I guess. And I'm going to be honest with you, I was, I, I was impressed by one thing. Not only did Trump come out and wave to the crowd, and it looked like he really wanted to come across the street, but I could see the Secret Service people kind of dissuading him from that uh, that thought, okay? Um, and I, you, you can't blame him. Listen, we, we've talked about all the potential things, and it is their job, so uh, he owes it to them to take their counsel and things like that. But he came out, waved at the people, and he sent, I don't know, a couple hundred hot dogs and some drinks and some chips out there for the people. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of a uh, of a class move. And, of course, there was no such pop-up uh, demonstration celebrating Joe Biden. Matter of fact, when Joe Biden left Delaware this morning, he did have a cheering section, only it was about, I think, 12 people who lined the road of his motorcade, and as he passed, they used a very bad word. It's the slogan that has been come to know, be known to represent the people who don't care for Joe Biden. You know, the bad word, Joe Biden, Joe Biden. And that was his chorus as he was leaving Delaware today. So I just thought the contrast was kind of interesting. Now, the media... The warmongers like Nikki Haley and Liz Cheney and others, the pro-Ukraine crowd, they're all still yelling and wringing their hands and upset because apparently Vladimir Putin killed uh, Sergei Navalny. Now, after Navalny was poisoned, and that was on a right flight within Russia, his wife refused to take him to a Russian hospital. As a matter of fact, she flew him uh, to a German hospital where he almost died. But upon, upon recovery, he insisted going back to, to Russia. Now, he, he, I don't believe he's a stupid man. And he had to know going back to Russia was probably going to be a death sentence. And listen, this is not... This is not... Uh, excuse Putin for what he probably did. There's no proof in it. It's pretty obvious, okay? Doesn't excuse him for that. Um, but it is what it is. And and and, and I, I all I'm gonna say is I've been waiting for two weeks for the for the media, especially those who you know have become Zelensky fanboys. They're silence. There's a U.S. journalist that was born in Chile. He's a U.S. citizen. He was in Ukraine. Gonzo Lira. He was not very flattering to the Zelensky regime. And he was put into a Ukraine prison about six months ago. 
And a couple weeks ago, we learned he died in that prison. Now, did Zelensky kill him? I don't know. The guy, according to his family, was in good health. And all I'm saying is, you know what? If you want to rip Putin for Navalny's death, which, knock yourself out. You got to be, you know, legitimate and talk about Gonzo Lira, who was a, Navalny was a Russian, okay? Lira was a U.S. citizen. Remember when Khashoggi uh, 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 was uh, butchered in Turkey? Now, just so you understand that situation, because the media, again, just lied and refused to tell people the story. Khashoggi was a Saudi national, okay? He was not a U.S. citizen. Yes, I think he had a home here. He had some bylines with the Washington Post owned by Jeff Bezos, okay? But he was not a U.S. citizen. He was a Saudi national. He was on the side of the Muslim Brotherhood, which are sworn enemies of the Saudi royal family. Now, I'm sorry. If you are going to take sides against your government and that in that part of the world, you can't be shocked when you end up dead. Again, does not excuse the people that killed Khashoggi. Please, I'm not saying that. I'm just talking reality. And if you're a Saudi and you're going to side with the Muslim Brotherhood and you're going to write very public articles in the Middle East condemning the, the Saudi royal family, okay, which you were a citizen of that country, and you are going to take the side of the Muslim Brotherhood, the sworn enemies of the Saudi royal family, you know, yeah, you might end up dead. Sorry, that's just the facts of life, especially in that uh, part of the world uh, that still operates, you know, to some extent, in Stone Age, uh, the way they did, you know, back in two, three, four hundred A.D. Okay, sorry, but uh, yeah, it's terrible. Navalny was a, a was a what, 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 was a patriot. He loved his country. He stood up to Putin. But you know what? If you're going to stand up to Putin, if you're going to stand up to Chairman G, if you're going to stand up to Kim Jong Un. You might end up dead. These are these are these are months. But let me tell you something. If Joe Biden could do it, he would have Donald Trump right now in prison for six hundred years. Donald Trump, I don't know, seventy-seven. I think he is right, seventy-seven, seventy-eight, whatever. I think a six, seven hundred year sentence. Probably he's not going to leave prison, is he? So that's all I'm saying. Let's just put things in context. And like I said Friday night, by the way, if you missed Friday night's program, please go watch Friday night's program. Um, boy, it's the end of the week. I had little sleep Thursday night. I had just a lot going on. Um, so I was a little amped up more than normal, if you can believe that. But the bottom line to Friday night's program is, what's the difference between the United States and Russia. I said probably 10, 15 times Friday night, don't talk to me about Russia anymore. I don't hear about Putin anymore. 
I really don't. I don't want to hear about Kim Jong-un anymore. I don't want to hear about Maduro and Venezuela. I don't want to hear about uh, uh, Chairman Xi in China. Don't talk to me about those people because we're no different. What are they, what, what are they uh, always condemned for? Uh, taking out their political, their chief political opponents, put him in jail, kill him, whatever, right? What do you think's happening? What do you think's happening right now in this country? Tell me the difference between what Biden's doing to Trump and what Putin's doing to his political opponents in Russia. Please explain the difference. Speaking of that, I tell you tonight that the that the city of New York and the state of New York is going to rue the day that they ran this Soviet-style trial on Trump, tried to pound him for 400 some million dollars. That act right there is going to backfire so bad, it is going to cost the, the, the city and the state of New York trillions in the end. Watch. They're already losing business. They're hemorrhaging business and wealthy people right and left after the whole COVID mess. Okay, they've never recovered from that. And now you're going to pull this stunt? Because if they did that to Donald Trump, they could do that to pretty much anybody. If you get on the wrong side of, you know, Tish James, or one of these screwball judges, or Kathy Hochul. Now, I, and even though the, the uh, appellate court in New York that Trump will be going to is full of left-leaning Democratic, probably trade, Trump-hating judges, I still have enough belief in the system that they will overturn this. I really believe that. And if they don't, Trump can always take it to the Supreme Court. Because, I mean, you had some people defending Trump this weekend that hate him. New York Times, the AP. I mean, I could go on and on. Law professors all over the country that despise Trump. These are lines we can't cross. Beat him at the ballot box. Don't do this. Again, this makes us no different than Russia. Charge him with something that's never been charged before. Charge him with fraud when Trump's defense put on all the people that were supposedly hurt and they all said, no, we didn't lose a dime. Matter of fact, we made lots of money. We lo- we'd love to do more business with Trump. But the fix was in from day one. And how does Tis James run for the New York Attorney General's office on a platform, I'm going to get Donald Trump. Again, we're no different than Russia. It was a, it was a, it was a famous Russian that coined the phrase, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. That's not how the criminal justice system works. And for prosecutors, above all because of the power they have in the canons of ethics for prosecutors, They are there to see justice done. And if justice means the person that you're prosecuting is found innocent, not guilty, whatever, so be it. It's not a game to 
be used to destroy people's lives that you disagree with? Because I'll tell you right now, if after 2020, Trump would have gone back to Mar-a-Lago, said my political career is over, I'm done with this, you would have no indictments. You would have none of these civil cases. None of this would, they would have no reason. By the way, Russia over the weekend took another Ukraine city in the eastern Donbass region. Listen, Ukraine, I told you when this whole thing, even before they started, when it was obvious there was going to be a war, Ukraine can't win. It's impossible. You know when there were times in the last couple of years where you heard how they were making inroads and, and, and they had Russia on the run and, and that you heard all these wonderful things about the way they were all lies. And I warned you even before the war started that you can take with a grain of salt anything you hear out of that region because you're going to have Russian propaganda versus Ukraine propaganda. And the fact is Ukraine has won. Ukraine has lost a generation of young men. I think I told you last week, the average age of the Ukrainian soldier right now is 42 years old. I mean, they've literally got grandfathers fighting in the war because they've run out of young men. And those Ukrainian young men that didn't want to go to that charnel house and be, you know, ground up like hamburger, you know, they slipped out of the country. They don't have anybody to fight. And of course, the media going after their political opponents are also using this Navalny death to go after Tucker Carlson. Well, Tucker Carlson just interviewed Putin and and, and, and he he's he's got some blame for Navalny being killed. What? I mean, are you out of your mind? By the way, Zelensky, he was at that Munich security conference this weekend, ripping the house, ripping our house and Senate for taking 10 days off and not sending him his $60 billion. $60 billion. He said, dictators don't take vacations. Oh, and he invited Trump to come uh, to uh, Ukraine. Trump's got, Trump is not a president. He has no power to do anything. And he's not going to be used for a photo op. If God allows Trump to become president, I guarantee you, maybe even before he's sworn in, he's going to have that war over. And I told you, I I already know how he's going to do it. He's going to cut the money off to Zelensky, which is going to give him no choice but to end this thing. And he's going to tell Putin, keep it up, and we will destroy you financially. Because once Trump gets back in, don't forget, he's going to drill, baby, drill. He's going to turn the gas pipes up on super high. Keystone will be back online. He's going to, he's going to bully the Europeans to quit buying Russian oil and gas. Start buying from us. And he's going to put Putin in a place where he literally can't afford to fight a war. Do you you want to know one of the most ironic things about this war in Ukraine with Russia? 
And again, I think only a classic idiot like Joe Biden could accomplish this. He talks that big about Putin being this monster and this and that and this and that. Uh, we support Zelensky. Do you know? And think about this. Think about how hard. I don't think you could do this if you set out to do it. This is how incompetent and absolutely stupid Joe Biden is. Do you know we're financing both sides of this war? We've already sent $100 billion to Ukraine. We've been the reason Europe, Europe sent a lot of money in. Okay, We've used our, our little clout we have with them to get them to pony up. right? So we have been financing the Ukraine side of the war, but we've also been financing Russia. Remember those stupid sanctions that Biden put on Russia? Those sanctions only made Putin more money. Not to mention because Biden went to war against the fossil fuel industry. Guess what? Europe's got to get that oil from somewhere. China's got to get oil from somewhere. Other countries got to get oil from somewhere. Guess where they're getting it from? Russia! He shuts down Keystone Pipeline. Clamps down on our natural gas industry. Well, guess what? They use a lot of natural gas in Europe. Guess where they're getting most of their natural gas? Russia! This fool Biden has probably helped Russia see a windfall of a couple hundred billions of dollars. Russia could not afford to fight this war if they did not have that windfall. Unbelievable. Joe Biden is literally funding both sides of this war. Think about that for a second. Unbelievable. Really, it's unbelievable. Um, let's talk about the border. Chicago, over the weekend, four illegals robbed and almost choked to death a 49-year-old man on one of the trains. I mean, what do you expect? These guys are here. They don't have any money. So what do you think? How, where do you think they're going to get their money? They're going to steal it. And we already know a good chunk of these people here illegally were criminals in their home country anyway. A lot of them were let out of jails. I'm sure they weren't in jail for being, you know, for jaywalking or writing a bad check. You got some bad people in this country. Bad people are going to continue to be bad people. And by the way, the illegal crossings on the Texas border are down about 95%. Now, the bad news is they've readjusted their, uh, you know, their game plan and they're pumping a lot more of these illegals now through Arizona and California. But Texas proved one thing. If you want to shut it down, you can shut it down. Which we've always known because we lived through the Trump years. Where without any new laws, without actually with 
total opposition from both Republicans and Democrats, he still managed in those last few years to pretty much shut down that border tighter than it's been in 50 years. By the way, think about this with me for a second. We've got, we've had 20,000 Chinese nationals invade our country just in the last six months. 20,000. 90% are military-age men. Now, here's what I want you to understand. You know, in this country, even though we've got a government that's clamping down, we still have lots of freedoms. I mean, we can still pretty much go where we... I mean, if we're not under some government surveillance for something, we can still pretty much go where we want to go, do what we want to do. And that even means getting on a plane and flying to Germany. If you want to go to Munich tomorrow, you can go to Munich. You want to go to London? You want to go to Rome? You want to go to uh, Sydney, Australia? I mean, you're, I mean, like I said, unless you've got some criminal stuff going on or whatever, want, you know, buy a plane ticket and go. Take your passport and go. Okay? That's not how life works in communist China, my friend. And this is what you need to understand. Even though they've got 1.4 billion people in China, the fact is the Chinese Communist government pretty much keeps tabs on all 1.4 million. And if you want to leave the country, you can't just get on a plane and go. There's, for lack of better explanation, there's an approval process. In other words, they got to let you go. You can't just go. You can't wake up somewhere and say, you know, I'm going I'm to fly. Me and my brother, we're going to fly to Mexico City and we're going to walk across the U.S. border. Uh-uh, doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. Sorry. You don't leave China. You don't go anywhere unless you've been allowed to go. Now, here's another thing. When these Chinese people are invading our country, it's not like there's one or two here, two or three. I mean, they're coming in groups of 15, 20, 25. They've got places set up in Mexico. The Chinese government, listen to me, Chinese government has places set up in Mexico for Chinese nationals to go and hang out and get kind of refreshed and get ready for the last part of their journey into the United States. Okay, This is all coordinated. This isn't an accident. This isn't a coincidence. This isn't a happenstance. Now, I can't make that same claim for a lot of other countries, although most countries do keep a pretty good tab on their citizens, especially if they're dumping jails and insane asylums and things like that. But I can tell you right now, the 20-some thousand Chinese nationals that have come here in the last six months, bringing the total, they say, somewhere to the 30,000 range, they didn't come here because they want, just wanted to come. They came here with the blessing of the Chinese government, and in a lot of cases, in total coordination with the Chinese government. So think about that tonight. Why would China be Slamming 20,000, 30,000 people into our country. Why? 
I mean, they've got that. They obviously have a reason. And you know that reason isn't to help America. Joe Biden is going to be dead. And depending on what he does in these final lucid memories of his pathetic life, probably burning in hell, unless he wakes up for five minutes and accepts his sins and comes to know Jesus. But, you know, that's his choice. And only God knows where you're going to spend eternity. But the Bible tells us clearly, and the Bible tells us, you know a tree by the fruit it bears. Joe Biden's tree bears rotten garbage fruit. Okay? Sorry. Doesn't mean at the last minute he might get it together. That's between him and God. But my gut is he's going to die and burn in hell for all eternity. And he'll be long gone when we're going to find out the damage done to this country. One of the only hopes we have is if God lets Trump get in because he's got a very aggressive deportation program. And we're not talking about a few thousand. We're talking about eight to ten million within a year to two years. Now, obviously, the biggest problem is going to be finding all these people. Although, I'm sure 50-60% will be easy to find. The problem is that other 40% that needs to get out, the ones that are more difficult to find, they're probably the most dangerous. We will will see. But uh, just know when you keep hearing, because even the media is now talking about all the Chinese. Just know that as a Chinese citizen... You don't get to just go wherever you want. If they're here, they're here because the Chinese government allowed them to be here, and they're here for a reason. By the way, the Houthis in Yemen, which is a terror group sponsored by Iran, of course, the Trump administration labeled them as a... uh, as a terrorist organization. One of the first things that the Biden administration did, of course, because Obama's calling the shots, is they removed that terrorist tag from the Hoonies. Yeah, that is real good. That's real good, Barack, because, of course, he loves the Iranians, wanted to get back in that Iranian nuclear deal, which, quite funny, Iran refused to get back into. <laughs> I, I, I think that's kind of funny. But in the last 48 hours, the Houthis, this terror group, proxy of the Ira- Iranian regime, has sunk a British ship in the Red Sea down a U.S. Reaper drone and attacked two U.S. ships in the Gulf of Aden. That's just the last 48 hours. And the Biden administration has actually finally put the terror tag back on the Houthis. 
unbelievable. It's, 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 it's just unbelievable. By the way, the, the AME Church, the African Methodist Church, African Methodist Episcopal Church, that is one of the big, uh, the largest denominations of black churches in the country. And they're, you know, they've been around quite a while, okay? They go, they go way back in the history of the country. But it's probably the oldest uh, denomination of black churches, the African Methodist Episcopal Church, AME Church. Um, just so you know, the AME Church is highly political, okay? Highly political. The Democratic Party has been plugged in the AME Church for a hundred years now, using the AME Church as a get-out-the-vote operation and all of that. Uh, they're also very liberal, okay? They're very liberal. The bishops of the AME Church over the weekend accused Israel of genocide. Now, that's just insane. Israel's not committed genocide. But, again, this is a very political, uh, very politically active church. The leadership of that church is very heavily plugged into the Democratic Party. And as a matter of fact, it was through the AME network of churches in the South that they used that network to basically not only win South Carolina for Joe Biden in 2020, when he was dead and gone, but they use that network of AME churches around the country first to get him the nomination and then to help steal the election because, again, the AME church is very plugged in to a lot of these uh, democratic uh, get-out-the-vote organizations, a lot of these ballot-stuffing operations the Democrats are so famous for. The AME church is right in the middle of all of that, okay? They use that network of churches and they have for a long time. By the way, it was the AME church about three weeks ago where Fannie Willis went to whine and cry about uh, how the uh, they're coming down on her because she's a poor black woman and blah, 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 playing the race card. By the way, just uh, in, in, I remember mentioning this to you that Monday after that, I think it was two weeks ago, that public statement might have been even more damaging to her than the things she's been doing as far as sleeping with that prosecutor, the money and all that other stuff and all the nonsense we saw late last week. And she did it again this weekend. She was back in, not, not an AME church this time, but another black church, big black church in Atlanta, crying the race card. Ugh. Unbelievable. All right. Um, by the way, Biden's appearance at East Palestine Friday was just an absolute disgusting event. He didn't want to be there. He couldn't stay awake. The people didn't want him there. 
I mean, a few of the people tried to be respectful due to his office, but for the most part, they didn't. Just absolutely. I mean, see, that's what I'm saying. He can't even, I mean, those are supposed to be, you know, layups. You know what I mean? Those are like just the easiest thing in the world to do. Just go act a little innocent, say a few kind words, shake a few hands. I mean, that's the easy. He can't even do that. And by the way, you got the media, the corporate media, out after Joe all weekend. And I'm not talking about, you know, a few people here and there. The editor of the New York Times. And apparently the White House hasn't been happy with the New York Times because, as we know, they usually, you know, are kissing his rear end 24-7 and they actually had to tell the truth about Joe and they didn't like it at the White House. And you've got a couple of the New York Times uh, main writers. Joe needs, to, Joe needs to drop out. That chorus is getting louder and louder. And I got, I got to be honest with you, folks. As I sit here tonight, I continue to hold fast to what I told you two years ago. I think in the end, Joe's going to uh, withdraw at the convention in Chicago in August. He's going to cite family. He'll probably cite how mean they are to his little boy, Hunter. He'll come up with some excuses. And he will bow out. And then the Democratic superdelegates will pump. Who in there? Who in there? I mean, I still believe it's going to be Newsom. I do. I think Newsom's the guy. I can already tell you it's going to cause havoc because technically Kamala Harris thinks she should be president. And let me tell you something. As much as a nightmare as Joe Biden is, Kamala Harris, oh my God, where, where was she this week? Oh, that's right. They sent her to that, let me find it. They sent her to that Munich event. Come on, Bill. Come on, Bill. Here it is. They sent her to that Munich security conference this weekend to represent the government because that Joe's not up for it. Joe's not up for anything, by the way. Um, and she gave a little, you know, teleprompter speech and, you know, whatever. And then... She was at a place where they had to ask her, they got to ask her some questions. Softballs lobbed them up there. They might as well put them on a tee, you know, about Ukraine, about Israel. She has no idea. She has no idea. She has no idea. I mean, she just doesn't. She has not got a clue. I mean, it is, it is really bad. It really is. By the way, this weekend, Biden claimed that uh, the Ukraine lose, Ukraine losing that uh, city in the East Donbass region to Russia this weekend, that was because those nasty Republicans won't send Zelensky his money. <laughs> Zelensky has no army. His army's dead. He killed them all for whatever little money he's been able to squirrel away and 
you know, offshore accounts. That's the fact. By the way, Biden's people have cooked up another green energy deal that basically is going to be totally dependent upon China for what they need produced. China could see a windfall of over $100 billion from this latest green energy scam that they've cooked up. Hey, Joe's on the payroll, man. I, I've been, how long have I been talking about it? Nobody should be surprised. Joe's on the payroll. By the way, the electric vehicle scam globally has become a total failure. It is falling apart everywhere. People don't want the cars. People aren't buying the cars. The EPA, they had all these emission goals for the year 2026, 2027. Those have all been basically shelved for now. The whole... E Listen, I told you how long ago that... Number one, I told you it was a scam to, to ultimately take away your car, period. But this, this scam was unworkable. We don't have charging stations. Remember they were going to put together, I don't know, what, what was it, 100,000, 200,000? They put zero up so far. But even if they put them all up, they wouldn't work because our electric, I'm going to get to that in a second. I've got another thing here about our electrical grid. Our electrical grid cannot handle anything more. How are you going to put 100, 500, a million, say a million electric cars on the existing electric grid? The electric grid now, and here it is. And we've talked, I've been talking about the electric grid. Anybody that's been around for a while, we've been talking about this for a decade now. This isn't a new problem. Our electric grid is so antiquated and so stressed. And oh, by the way, forget the electric car scam. We've already got a problem on the electric grid that's going to fry it in many places. It's called computing. Because we've got all these supercomputers now. All these computers that need so much, you know, power to run artificial intelligence. And all these things that they're cooking up in the computer world. Bitcoin, all that kind of stuff. Requires a lot of computing power. Well, what's computing power require? It requires electricity. And I read an article this weekend with all the new computing needs that are gonna, that are exist now and are going to continue to mount in the coming, say, five years. That alone is going to fry our grids. We again, our electrical grids in probably seventy percent of the country are fried as it is. That's why you get the brownouts. That's why you get the. Announcement from Newsom in California. Don't charge your cars. Don't turn your air conditioner on. Shut everything down for three hours. You got the rolling blackouts, right? I mean, we're getting, I mean, let me tell you how you can find North Korea on the map. Okay? Very easy. Uh, get a good map that's, you know, 
shows daylight, nighttime, all that. Wait till it's nighttime over in the Far East. And you'll see a, a you'll see you know, lights all over, but, but you'll see a little square place, okay? That'll be totally dark. Just north of South Korea. China's to the north. Got lights in China, lights in South Korea. That dark place every night, that's North Korea. That's going to be the United States. I mean, we're sitting there trying to pump $60 billion to Ukraine. All they give them $100 billion. We've got all this nonsense going on. We're going to spend, my friend, just so you understand, even though you didn't approve it, even though it wasn't budgeted, we're probably going to spend a half a trillion dollars over these last couple of years on what? On these illegals. And we've got an electric grid that's falling apart. Not to mention the rest of the infrastructure. Remember that great infrastructure bill? I haven't seen any new airports of you. I haven't seen any new freeways or great repairs to pay. Have you? A high-speed rail or anything? I haven't seen that. Have you? All this infrastructure. I mean, we need basic infrastructure like bridges, tunnels, Electric grids, you know, water plant, power plants, dams, basic stuff. I mean, almost that stuff was all created 40, 50, 60 years ago when we had half the population. And now we're throwing another 10 million illegals on top of it? Give me a break. <sighs> uh, by the way, and I'm sorry... I'm not going to stop. I told you the night of the Kansas City parade shooting, something nobody in the media, even today, as of today, refuses to tell you, and that's the two shooters were two teenage black men. Black boys, actually. Not men, they're boys. They're juveniles. By the way, one of the reasons they, they won't give you their names or give you pictures or anything is because they're juveniles. Hey, you know who else was a juvenile? His name was Kyle Rittenhouse. He was 17. He was a juvenile. That didn't stop them from plastering him all over the news, did it? Give me a break. And you got the Kansas City mayor, which is a black Democrat, ripping the governor of Missouri because he happened to call these two shooters thugs. Now, even he didn't say they were black thugs. He just said thugs. But the Kansas City mayor, they know these are two black kids. Everybody in Kansas they know. Don't forget, you had uh, uh, people at the parade, you know, just parade watchers that tackled these guys and held them for the cops. But to this moment, you cannot find one major media outlet that will declare that these are two black teenagers. Even today. That's, this is a race. Oh, oh the, the, mayor, the mayor of Kansas City said, well, the governor called them black thugs. No, called them thugs. That's, that's a dog whistle. That's a racist dog whistle. It's a fact. And by the way, another horrific event in suburban Minneapolis this weekend, 
There was a domestic violence call that turned out to be an ambush. Two police officers in the suburb of Minneapolis were killed. An EMT was killed. In the process, the person who was who killed the cops and the EMT, he was killed in the firestorm. And he happened to be a black man who loved Barack Obama, which which is fine. But I'm just saying. I mean, it, it just it just it just amazed me. Let me tell you something. Do you remember when you had a bunch of juveniles going back to this juvenile thing? In Washington, D.C. for the March of Life a few years ago. And one of the juveniles did nothing but stand still while he was being taunted by an old Indian man. But that young teenager who was there to march for life happened to have on what? A red Make America Great Again hat. Yeah. Remember him and the rest of his buddies? How they were pillaged to post to post, and they did nothing wrong. They were they were juveniles. Didn't stop the media then, did it? Here we got this. This why I told you tonight. Two words. To keep in mind tonight: projection and hypocrisy. They're similar, not not the same, but they're kind of down that same road. And that's what all these stories tonight really have in common. Um, boy, we got a lot of stuff. Eighteen-year-old legal again. I told you I could do I could do an hour of this all night, every night. Eighteen-year-old legal came here in January, raped and murdered eleven-year-old girl in Texas, stuffed her body under her bed. He's still at large. Joe Biden's America. If Joe Biden had shut the border down, that eleven-year-old girl would not have been raped, and she'd be alive today. Chances are probably 95%. Speaking of lies, I remember, in, in, in the scheme of things, this is a very small thing, but it needs to be pointed out. And it needs to be highlighted. Because I specifically remember, remember the days after the uh, January 6th, what we now know was an operation put together by Nancy Pelosi and the FBI, okay? I remember the, in the aftermath of that, I kept hearing on the news how, you know, Trump supporters were defecating in the Capitol building and smearing feces on the wall and shit. Ah! I gotta tell you this. Tonight, they finally came up with a guy who swore, who, who gave a sworn statement. And this was a guy that was in charge of cleaning up the Capitol when it was over. He gave a sworn statement tonight. There was no feces, there was no urine in the Capitol at all. And this was a guy who had headed up the crew that cleaned the Capitol in the aftermath of January 6th. So it was a lie. And again, I know in the scheme of things, it's not a big deal, but just shows, goes to show you that the media has no has no trouble just lying, making things up, 
Remember they told you uh, Officer Brian Sitnik was killed because he got bashed in the head with a fire extinguisher? We know now that never happened. <sighs> I mean, these are sick people to claim that, yeah, they were defecating all over the Capitol and smearing the feces on the wall and they were urinating all over the Capitol. That never happened. That's a total lie. And again, I know in the scheme of things, that's not a big deal. But it is in the sense that this just goes to show you to the degree that these people will lie, will make things up to advance their agenda. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. All right. Believe it or not, I only got through about half of what I needed to tonight. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. You got, you got to tune in tomorrow night because I, I try to get through the most important things, the most top of the mind issues that I needed to bring to your attention tonight. But uh, we still have a bunch of other ground to cover tomorrow, which we will. We will. We've got all week. And now tomorrow night, tomorrow's going to be interesting. Trump's got a town hall with Laura Ingram on Fox tomorrow night at 7. And for whatever reason, right before I came on the air tonight, I got an alert that Nikki Haley is going to give a, a speech tomorrow at noon called the State of the Campaign. The State of the Campaign. Now, the only thing she should be doing at noon tomorrow is dropping out because the last polls I saw in South Carolina, she's down by 36, 37 points. Okay? She has no chance. Zero. Not only in South Carolina, but she's going to get killed in Michigan. She's going to destroy on Super Tuesday. All she's doing now is helping Biden. But maybe that's her agenda. I don't know. But anyway, she's going to give some kind of a state of the campaign speech at noon tomorrow. Well, if it's not to drop out, I can tell you the state of her campaign. She's funded by Democrats. She's actively recruiting Democrats to vote for her. These are all people that would never fund her in a general, never vote for her in a general. I mean, the state of her campaign is, is, is an absolute abysmal failure. And But I assume she's doing it to try to take some steam off of Trump's Town Hall tomorrow, which she should have known by now. That's not going to happen. All right. I have got to get this in real quick because I am almost, wow, I'm over time. Let me do this before we leave tonight. If you never made a decision, 